1: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we are talking about a Nets loss tonight, 121-113 to the Orlando Magic. How are you feeling after this one?
2: The Nets are human, I guess, Nick.
1: Yeah, they are. Obviously, statistically, there were some outliers in this game, which we'll discuss. But as always, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com, com, and Blue Wire Pods. But Jack, where do you want to start here?
2: Look, I think, Nick, the biggest point from this game was the Nets played... 10 good minutes of basketball and almost won the game
1: yeah i mean they dominate the fourth quarter 29 to 18 but the rest of the game didn't necessarily show much energy and their offense wasn't on tonight three-point shooting was terrible probably one of the worst games of the season finished 10 of 37 from three 27 and majority of them were wide open looks including ones for joe harris in which he shoots 50 percent from so it's just kind of one of those games
2: one of those games, indeed, you know, Landry Shamet couldn't hit him. N- no one could hit them. It was just a, a super-duper cold night from the three-point line. You know, our best three-point shooter was Kyrie, and he was 3 of 8. You know, Landry Shamet 2 of 5. It was just a, a, an off night for the Nets. And if they had shot even slightly below their normal averages, then the Nets had won this game, and they didn't really deserve to win it because Orlando really set the tone, uh, especially in that first quarter. And the Nets were just sloppy, a bit disengaged. DJ wasn't good as he... <laughs> Hasn't been for the last two, three, four games, uh, way below par. Claxton goes in, gives the team some energy. It's just one of those games, Nick, where it's just like you felt like they could have won it, but it would have been an undeserving win. And we've said in sort of previous games where it's just like, the didn't deserve to get this win. It's what good teams do. They get that sort of win. Sometimes you need a loss to reset and then re-engage and go forward.
1: Yeah, and obviously some of it, too, was Orlando having arguably their best game of the season shooting numbers that they probably haven't shot ever, maybe, in their franchise history. 21 of 40 from three, 52%. And Aaron Gordon, I don't know what that dude was doing tonight, but 38 points, 14 to 20 from the field, 7 of 8 from three. Like, this is a guy who shot, like, maybe 33, 35% for his career from deep, and he literally could not miss, and a lot of those were step-back threes. So it's hard for me to get upset about this one.
2: It seems to me that Sean Marks might have been in the building, you know, trying to build his own individual trade value in that respect, Nick. I I, I don't know. Look, they were were just hot. They got hot and Evan Fournier was hot. It's just one of those games where you just tip your hat to the team. And I think think at certain points, the Nets could have been better at defending the three-point line but also the Magic as a team overall aren't a good three-point shooting team. So you you want to give those shots. And I thought in the last quarter, they did a really good job in the first sort of eight or nine minutes by forcing the ball out of Gordon's hands, out of Vucevic's hands. And Alfa Rukamini was taken three after three after three, which were obviously bricks. So I thought that they could have done a better job of that defensively. If they had a... provided and given the same level of engagement defensively as they did in the fourth quarter, the first sort of eight or nine minutes in the first three quarters, then I think this is a blowout in in a lot of respects, Nick. Full respect, though, to the Orlando Magic, they just made their hot night and they ran with it.
1: Yeah, like you said, Jack, you know, you could argue that if they played, you know, eight more minutes of good basketball either to start the game, which would have maybe took Orlando out of the rhythm because they got very comfortable to start this one, kind of like what you alluded to, or even if they picked up that defense and started playing it midway through the third quarter... This is a win. So, like you said, the Nets didn't deserve to win this one. Obviously, statistically, there were some outliers. Did you think who did you think played well for Brooklyn tonight?
2: Uh, Kyrie and Clax. Uh, I thought Bruce gave us some moments, yep. and I think out out of outside of that, you know, it, it was few and far between. I thought you know Jeff Green was okay, but he wasn't good. I thought you know J- Kyrie Irving was incredible. Nineteen of thirty-one from the field, three made from three. Two or two from the free throw line should have got a couple more there. That's yeah. for sure. Um, his energy and hustle was awesome. Had four dimes, had a steal, and forty-three points. Another forty burger for him. Kyrie Irving was—he uh, was incredible tonight, Nick.
1: Yeah, he was in his bag, hitting shots all over the court. I mean, that layup package is crazy. And like you said, you know, two free throws feels ridiculous considering how much time he was in the paint and how much work he was doing in making the Orlando Magic defenders uncomfortable. I mean, that spin move on Aaron Gordon—I think it was in the first quarter—that was disgusting
2: yeah he had plenty of disgusting moves he's just ability to just have the ball on a string he knows where he wants to go he knows what shot he's going to take and he just knows every single he, he's his mind moves faster than his body and his mm. his body's just able to catch up and and be able to match his his mental intensity and he was just uh, without him the the nets are weren't in this game at all because James Harden really did struggle tonight. And, you know, only 34 minutes for him, it seems to me, is one, is one of the first games. Some of that was obviously foul trouble. And I think some of those fouls were a little ticky-tacky. But I also do think it was a lack of sort of focus from James Harden and probably mental fatigue as well because that dude has been working, you know, 42 mi- minutes the other night to to get us to dub uh, the, the other game. So I think that it's the luxury of having these two. If we had have had James Harden play at least... Subpar, rather than sort of you know maybe his worst game as a Brooklyn net. Then also it, it certainly helps us uh, be closer in in this game.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent, Jack. Like you said, this was probably James Harden's worst game as a net. Just looked really out of sorts to start this one. Like you mentioned, the foul trouble never really helps, and three point shot is still a little bit off. But getting in the lane, I thought Aaron Gordon had a couple good defensive possessions on him too. Mix that in there, and obviously Kevin Durant's here. You feel like this is probably a win. So this is kind of the Nets holding off. And, you know, I can see fatigue not only in James Harden, but I feel like in DeAndre Jordan and even some other guys on the team. Like, they've played a lot of basketball and they haven't had many of these, like, COVID breaks, which other teams have had, which will come back to bite those other teams. But for the Nets, it's been, you know, game after game after game.
2: Yeah, I mean, we've spoken ad hoc and at length about the... Adding to the rotation in terms of Drummond, Javale McGee, Rashawn Holmes, any of these sort of guys, I think adding one one extra guy is is really going to help uh, in yep. terms of the front court rotation, and uh, and even just a wing because there was just a the Nets are small without you know, Kevin Durant on this team because we saw a lot of lineups where it was basically four guards and clacks, four guards and DJ. Um, and, you know, you're playing James Harden as your power forward. You're playing Joe Harris as your small forward or your power forward at times. Because, you know, Tyler Johnson, Landry, Shamit, Bruce Brown as your three guys, as three people coming kind of off the bench with Claxton. No one's taller than six four, six five.
1: Yeah, I agree, Jack. I think it's a little too small. We saw the Jeff Green and Nick Claxton lineup in the previous game. I thought leaving Claxton out there by himself was tough with those four guards. Later on when he was with uh, Jeff Green, I felt like it was a little bit more in sync.
2: Definitely, I thought that that, and we saw how they how well they do work together when they are on the floor as as a unit. You know, Tyler Johnson wasn't that great tonight. I thought Bruce Brown provided greater spurts, especially in that final quarter. I thought the lineup for him playing with Joe Harris, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, um, it, it was almost like a the previous version of Bruce Brown that we have seen because he's got the spacing down there. He's allowed to play at his dunker spot uh, a little bit. He's allowed to show a little bit of strength down there and uh, really get into the lane. There were a couple of times where I thought, you know, he almost wanted to draw too much contact. Yeah. Uh, and he probably could have finished a, that some easier shots in that sort of respect. But I do think he was an important part of the comeback uh, and, and sort of getting the team back there, especially with his uh, rebounding because you know seven boards for him in only 24 minutes including three offensive boards uh, he did have five thousand that time but I just thought he, I liked his aggression did have a block did have a couple of dimes too so we have six from the field I thought Bruce was pretty solid for us
1: yeah I thought this was kind of a role we could see him in when he's not starting you know what I mean off the bench role bring that energy those high defensive plays just really tough out there and like you said Jack a couple layups that he probably would want back but overall really nice game and like you said kind of gave us that extra little boost in the fourth quarter
2: Definitely. And and that's what he can do and I, and I think that then there were times again where it was just like why are you playing them with DJ and there were just yeah. times and time again where it's just like surely you've learned from this Steven and, and I understand that you've only got you know however many guys in the rotation but you know TLC is at least healthy I'm, I'm not advocating for him to play extra minutes especially after his performance in the previous matcher you got a bit of Reggie Perry Christios reaction I don't think you're really going to e- play either of those guys KD's uh, hopefully back sooner rather than later and we're hearing some good things about Blake Griffin's uh, conditioning and his ramping up so I think that's going to help this team and just help you know ease the load across because i don't want to keep seeing 40 minutes 38 minutes for our superstars and you know i think that that is going to help and and, and even a 32 minutes for jeff green i want to see low 20s high and i think that a lot of the times especially lately the nets have been grinding out a lot of wins and that that not only takes it out of you physically but it does take it out of you mentally as well because it's a slog of a season and like you said nick while the nets uh, are lucky to have uh, the uh, the least amount of games to go in the second half of the season because of the fact that they haven't missed any of their games due to COVID absences. It's just players that have missed it. That's going to help them. So I think in the long run we are going to benefit once it comes to you know April May in the in the doldrums of the season of the regular season. At this point in time there is still a fatigue because Kyrie Irving and James Harden both were at All Star Weekend and both were playing you know the most minutes of
0: any. Yeah.
1: And obviously, you know, having Blake Griffin would be a nice luxury right now. Like you mentioned, conditioning, hopefully getting back soon. But it's nights like these where you could maybe use that other offensive option with Kevin Durant being out, too. So, I mean, you mentioned DeAndre Jordan. Felt like this was a really rough game for him. You know, Vucevic obviously has that skill set. It's tough for him. But Bosa, Vucevic. Oh, that's your boy.
2: Yeah. Uh, you <laughs>
0: But we're getting to
1: DeAndre. Obviously, this skill set is tough for him to deal with. And if you if he's not locked in when he's playing a matchup like this, he's just kind of get abused. And it's really hard for the rest of the team to play defense because then it's
2: just a lot of rotating. And he gave away a foul on the perimeter. I'm just like, man, TLC's not in the rotation anymore. Can we <laughs> stopped doing this bullshit? Um, it was just, it was rough watching DJ out there. There, there was few and far between plays where it's just like, oh, there's something offensively. James Harden throwing a nice lob, and James Harden can make dog shit look good. He could give them a lob and just make them look good. And, and I'm not saying, you know, DeAndre Dion, Dion is giving us something occasionally, but, you know, it, it seems to me that, he needs another, you know, uh, another re-engagement, and maybe another spray from Steve Nash. I don't know what it is that's going to sort of. You know, re sort of focus him to be able to go we need you mate you're our our backline defender you're continuing to start where maybe it is going all right Clax. we'll start you now mate because you he played again DJ played you know extended minutes 9 10 11 minutes in that first quarter and then only played 23 for the game the same amount as Nicholas Claxton did and Nicholas Claxton I thought could have played more but again it's his conditioning the same yeah. minutes as we saw in the last match-up. maybe it is a sort of shock, shock to the system and go you know what DJ you haven't earned this starting spot you certainly haven't earned closing minutes because that's what Claxton and Jeff Green are certainly much more worthy and deserving of I don't know whether that could be something that could be like a, a bit of a shock and go oh man i got to straighten up and fly right a little bit here for DJ because he's just been he's been bad the last couple of games mate
1: yeah, that really, just like almost the second half of the season so far in these few games the Nets have played, he hasn't really just had that same level of juice. And like you said, he needs some type of motivation. Maybe that's giving him a couple games off so he can get rest, get his body right. You know, he is up there in age, and we saw at different points him not playing super well. But it also just kind of brings the question, we brought this up a few games ago, of like how much pressure is on Sean Marks to bring another center in? Because if he plays like this, you honestly don't want to play him in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not like Andre Drummond or JaVale McGee is going to absolutely revolutionize this Brooklyn Nets team, but it does allow for a little bit of extra competition for those minutes because... When Claxton is out there, you know, there are few and far between the mistakes that he does make. And the mistakes that he does make are generally from a level of overexertion, which is yeah. the complete opposite of what DeAndre Jordan does. DeAndre Jordan doesn't do enough, and those are mistakes. Whereas you would rather a guy like a Bruce Brown, like a Nicholas Claxton, being too physical, being too overeager, because that's showing that they're at least mentally there and they're really engaged. Whereas DJ's just like, okay, I'll put a hand up there or I'll move over you to. And it's just like, come on, man. like. Sure, you can't kind have of lost all of your athleticism. I, I always use like the washed and the rinse cycle metaphor. Yeah. He's getting much closer to getting really really washed right now, um, and at least in these past couple of games. I've got at least a semblance of faith that he can refocus when the games do start to matter because you know paces magic these sort of teams aren't necessarily going to matter in the postseason and when you have to just sort of realign and go all right 16 games this is what we need you for I think that that's when we might see the the best version of DJ that we have seen in individual matchups uh, this season you know it is 42 games in 30 more to go Uh, as long as we get through it healthy Nick and especially with DJ and Claxton and and green and Blake and and whoever else that chips in, in the front court, that's, what's going to matter. I think health is still going to be the number one thing. And look, whether it's a a conditioning and and a health thing, like you've alluded to with DJ one way or another, something needs to change with his individual form.
1: Yeah. Obviously, like you said, Jack, hopefully it is, you know, we see the best version of him in those 16 games because Nick Claxton on the other end is playing really well looking super fluid out there defensively and switching. And, you know, he might have caught the pass of the season from James Harden because that was just a dime. And obviously it's going to kind of get lost in the mix because it was a loss and James Harden didn't play well, but
2: damn. Yeah, that was an incredible pass, Nick. One of the the best passes that I've seen ever. Like yeah. I, I'm not again. I, I might get lost in the source a little bit just because <laughs> it was just it, it's it's in the the recency bias to to an extent. But you know, it was three quarter court, if not longer, five, six-eighths court, seven-eighths of the court length. And Klax just goes up and just slams at home. And then he gets like an easier route and it just slips through his fingers a little bit. I reckon he might have been a little bit too sweaty there because he was just, just running and going crazy when he when he was out there. And he also had a, an incredible defensive play on Vooch that you sort of yeah. put out there as well, Nick, which is things that I remember when I was doing video breakdown of him uh, as soon as he came in, I was looking at his college Uh, his college state he did that time and time again he loves it when guys take fadeaways or jumpers over him in the post because he's like i'm gonna get this i'm gonna snap you up here
1: yeah and he's just one of the guys that has that little extra energy boost where a lot of players will just be like hey you know we'll take we'll take a step off here let them shoot the fadeaway it's a tough shot Clax, no he's not giving you anything for free so this is really exciting and to continue to see progress is really exciting too and it's giving the Nets another component. It feels like we talk about it every single game, but this is just something they didn't have or necessarily expect to have going to the season on this roster.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's the the loss of Jared Allen was pronounced, Nick. But you've got Nicholas Claxon waiting in the reserve as not necessarily a facsimile because they are different players despite the fact that they are both incredibly gifted athletes at their position and they provide you a, a little bit different. I think Jared Allen is one of the better rim protectors in the league, one of the best shot blockers and Claxon is similarly in that respect but I think he's better on on jump shooters and and, and in the post and, and, and those sort of respects and in, an incredible uh, a, a perimeter defender for a guy of his size. The way he, he's just feet sort of move and In possessions against Aaron Gordon, watching him tonight, Aaron Gordon is a, a great athlete and just you watch just the lower body of Klaxon. You don't even watch so what, what, uh, his hips below. The way his feet just move so quickly and he's able to just realign his knees and his legs. Now, he's an incredible, incredible fluid athlete for a guy of his size. So, look, it's going to keep going. And, Nick, I guess I wanted to sort of ask you, I know you mentioned, I think, on the previous part after the Pacers game that you don't think you don't want or you don't think Clax will play 30 minutes this season. Do you think the Nets are going to need him to play 30 minutes if like it comes down to... In that postseason basketball at the very least i mean it could be a
1: possibility but i i honestly if the nets need Claxon in the play 30 minutes i might be a little bit more concerned given kevin Durant is coming you know if you were saying without kevin Durant, sure but with kd there there might be opportunities not to play him and similar to steve nash i still am slightly concerned about overexerting him especially being like a smaller guy and you i think you mentioned on the last show he plays so hard that his minutes are like two times the amount of minutes of a normal player because he's just constantly out there and moving at such a high level, and and that's props to him. But obviously, you want to kind of almost protect young players from themselves.
2: Yeah, too much of a good thing, I guess, is how the saying goes. and <laughs> I mean, I should probably... It's like me, whenever I go to a Cole supermarket, it's like our version of like Trader Joe's and I buy some snacks and it's just like, man, should I really buy two packets of potato chips here? And I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely going to do it. Should I really buy, you know, cupcakes as well as cookies here? Yeah, I'm going to do it here. (laughs) And and, and sometimes, you know, you've got to limit yourself and realize that there is too much of a good thing. And you've got to sort of just hold it back and slowly, slowly, you know, just one snack at a time, maybe get the smaller bag of chips, mainly only have a couple of cookies, um, but Klaxon, I want to eat it all. Uh, He's, it's just so goddamn good
1: yeah i mean honestly i think i was trying to think about it like a little more while you're talking about food which is extremely distracting
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but you know there probably will be some opportunities but i don't think it's something that you'd want to consistently do at this point i think like 28 minutes would be something that i look at a little bit more obviously we know the nets are super conservative so i'm trying to think in that approach
2: definitely and look we know that this kid has confidence he wants to be out there love these comment in the last in the last game in the post game uh, Brian Lewis put it out there it's just like everyone said that we lost our depth and it's just like I'm here and it's just like he's not even like talking about the fact that like, Bruce Brown Tyler Johnson Landry Schavers it's like you know D- guys I'm here I'm like pretty freaking awesome and uh, I can't remember the last time he was negative in the plus minors when he has played since he has been entered into this rotation it seems like it's plus 6 it's plus 10 it's plus 15 it's plus 16 whenever he plays basketball for the Brooklyn Nets, Nick, he has just given this team so much, and um, it, under the tutelage, you know, the young alchemist continues to grow, and uh, he becomes wiser and wiser as the days go by.
1: Yeah. Now, talking about one of your favorite players having a good game, now your f- absolute favorite player did not have his best game tonight. What do you think was up with Joe Harris? Just one of those nights for him, and do you think he's possibly a little fatigued?
2: Uh look, maybe Nick. I, I know that he didn't he lead the team in minutes, or he was just behind James Harden. I think he had like 37 minutes yeah. the other night. We saw James Harden have 42 in there and he only had 34 tonight. Joe Harris had 32, which is basically probably season average. He
1: runs more than anybody else on the team.
2: Yeah. You know, Jalen Brown, you know, the quote that I always remember is just like (laughs) he he runs around like a mofo, like chasing that white dude or or whatever he sort of said. He's just like, I think he said he said
1: Joe runs like he's running from the cops or something. Yeah.
2: Something something like that. And Joe, he, despite what I did like, is the fact that he was taking those shots. You know, I can't remember who it was, whether it's like a Kobe or or Jordan or, or someone else. Like, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, or I'd rather go 0 of 30 uh, than, you know, 1 of 8 or 1 of 5, because I want to keep taking those shots. And look, uh, Joe had some of his most open shots that I've ever seen him have this season. And, Especially uh, in some, one game. Yeah, and look, and I think that overall, the tone of the three-point line, there is a semblance of just, like, chemistry and energy that you feed off. And it's just like, if James Harden's not hitting these shots and then Joe Harris isn't hitting these shots, and it's just like, okay, we need one of our guys to sort of hit it and then feed off each other. You know, Landry Shamet had five and he hit two of them and he was our best by the percentages and, and Kyrie took eight of them hit three of them. You know, a couple were in and out. Joe Harris did have a, an air ball and uh, Gotham's reckoning. I I do agree that that tape will be stricken from the record. Like, you know, who was it? Uh, Jordan Crawford junk, dunking on uh, LeBron James. No one has footage of that. But I don't... Uh, look, after this we are there not mentioned is ever no footage again of that, though. there literally isn't and there will no longer be footage of that joe harris airball it didn't happen nick i'm going to give you that like, that my uh, men in black little zap thing and then <laughs> do it to, to all of mankind but look it was just an off night for joe and and i think he knows that i think he's going to be frustrated he was still plus 11 still did have 16 points still had six boards four dimes, and two steals i still thought that he gave a lot to this team, despite that the three ball wasn't falling. It was 5 of 14. You know, it wasn't a good game from Joe Harris, but if this is a, his worst game of the season, it's still much better than, you know, some of our worst players. He's still contributing in other respects. And, you know, you can't necessarily say that from a lot of other sort of sharpshooters, where it's just like, if their three ball is off, they're giving you nothing. You know, Duncan Robinson or whoever else. But Joe Harris is going to rebound the ball. He's the ball well. And he's going to, you know, move the ball well. I, I still thought he gave the team other areas of where he did contribute, but it was hard to see him miss so many goddamn shots that it's just like, come on, Joe, man. You shoot these with your eyes closed and in your sleep.
1: Yeah, literally. Didn't he have a video of shooting with his eyes closed? Like, yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, like, you, I don't even think
1: this was his worst game of the season. Probably one of his worst shooting games, but overall, like you said, still some other positive impacts. You know, a couple nice drives in this one. Anybody else you want to talk about, Jack?
2: Look, it, overall, Nick, uh, I think that, Tyler Johnson just a sneakily not a good game from him, and, and, yep. and I'm do- not sure what was up. I'm, I'm going to put it down to I think that the the size from the Orlando Magic really did sort of disrupt him, and he couldn't really get into any sort of offensive rhythm despite yep. the fact that he did hit a couple of shots. He didn't hit any three balls, and I think sometimes his three ball uh, is predicated to what he can contribute to this team coming off the bench. Didn't really get the job secondary playmate because the minutes with Harden were a bit sporadic and such. So I thought Tyler Johnson wasn't. His usual consistent self tonight.
1: Yeah, not the same energy spark either. And I feel like Orlando also is a team that does a good job of being like really steady. You know what I mean? And it's hard to disrupt them necessarily. So, you know, Tyler Johnson, not a great game. Like you said early on, you know, pretty much Claxton and Kyrie played good games. Other than that, I'm not sure anybody else I would give above average.
2: No, that's that's it, plain and simple, Nick. And look, the Nets had 50 points in the paint, and the Orlando Magic only had 36. You know, we've spoken time and time again about the Nets sort of limiting teams from getting in the paint, and you sort of go, all right, cool. The the Nets are normally going to do really well if they don't allow teams to sort of bully them and, and out physical them down low, and and they, you know, they won the rebound. Oh, they didn't win the. Re- they were pretty close in the in the rebounding battle as well, and they're losing by five. In fact, won the offensive boards battle. So. It was just a a case of the Orlando Magic getting hot at the right time and the Nets not being hot for long enough and not playing defense for long enough.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is one of their worst offensive games in terms of three-point shooting. And like I said, probably the best one for Orlando and probably one of their best games field goal percentage-wise because they shot 51% too. So I feel like... Not necessarily a lot to be concerned about. Some of it's the statistical outlier with the three point shooting. And like we talked about earlier, not necessarily enough effort defensively to start the game and really didn't show up until that fourth quarter. Yeah, it would have
2: been nice to have the, the number one seed after tonight's game, but hopefully uh, we'll get it in a couple of games time.
1: Yep. Jack, anything else you want to talk about related to this game or not related?
2: Look, not related to this game, Nick, it was positive to hear Steve Nash talk about Blake Griffin's ramping up and saying that he looks really, really good and that his return date is getting closer. Do you think we could see him in the uh, against the Washington Wizards this weekend? I
1: think that'd be great. I'd love to see him. I think tonight would have been an excellent you know, opportunity for him to provide a spark for this team because they were missing something. So, you know, maybe we see him for a couple minutes. I feel like the first time we see Blake, it's going to be for like 12 minutes.
2: Yeah, I think that you use him incredibly sparingly, and I think you use him as just an offensive weapon uh, with James Harden, a la Claxton style, and maybe you put Claxton with him out there in minutes, or Maybe yep. you put Jeff Green out there. You know, you, I think you have to pair him with a big. I don't think he can be the solo big out there because he's not going to have the defensive reps and intensity uh, game reps that are going to be able to impact the game well enough for long enough. So I think if he's out there with a Jeff Green, Nicholas Claxton, I'm excited. It'll be just cool to see him out there in the black and white uh, because you know, we've been waiting quite a while um, it, it's going to be fun to see what he can do Hopefully it's a couple of dunks. Hopefully it's a couple of you know really big rebounds, and um, and hopefully we can see him impact the team in a positive fashion because we do need a little bit of front court help uh, after tonight's performance and just to ease the load across the the board as we sort of alluded to and we were chatting about.
1: And it'll be interesting to see what the performance team did with him. You know, obviously that's the main reason he's been sitting out is they want to get you know all these deficiencies out of here. So maybe he'll look a little bit you know less washed than what we saw in Detroit, and he can provide something for this team. And maybe even it's an opportunity to rest on. Trey Jordan a couple games or just like you said Jack give Steve Nash some options to kind of share the minutes of that front court and he is a nice piece that you could play next to you know Claxton or Jeff Green like you said because of the versatility offensively
2: for sure and look we've only got five days till the end of the trade deadline and um, uh, before we do get to I guess Spencer Dimwitty, Nick. Did you see the video of KD out there um, shooting up some shots? Man, that was good. I'm getting hyped, man. Can't really come back soon. Come on, KD. We need you, mate. We need you. Everyone's sort of saying, oh, the Nets can't win a championship without KD. Or they can win a championship. It's just like, who cares? Let's just get KD out there. I'm not thinking about the chip right now. I just want to see him play basketball in the black and white again.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously one of the greatest basketball players we've ever watched play, and he just provides something different to the game, and he like we're happy to see the Harden and Kyrie highlights, but Katie provides you a different element too, so it, it's going to be super exciting to get him back, and it feels like hopefully maybe two weeks
2: yeah, it's hopefully something like that. We need the scary hours. I imagine, like you know, Drake drops the album and the day that KD comes back, I reckon. I reckon they're chatting with each other, whether it's in the DMs or they're texting each other. And Drake say, like, "Hey, KD, when you coming back, man?" And he's probably the only one that knows. So <laughs> if, if Drake will probably like drop the album, and KD will, and, and we'll get a woosh bomb sort of announcing that uh, KD is back for the Nets against. He'll us, announce it like, on the album. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's one of the bars like in um, Favi and Sosa. Um, <laughs> but in saying that, Nick, I did want to touch a little bit on Spencer Dimity because we did hear some rumors surrounding the Miami Heat. Obviously, they did get trivial reasons. So I'm not sure how true that is. But via Hoopsip, and, and I'll read this verbatim. Apparently, Dinwiddie can be obtained for a role player off the bench who can contribute this season as Brooklyn chases a title and a future second-round pick, league sources told Hoopside. According to executives around the league who spoke with Hoopsite, the belief is a team that is over the cap could would make the most sense to trade for Dinwiddie because the team would be able to monitor his rehab from a partial torn ACL and acquire his bird rights, which will allow him to be signed while going over the salary cap. What are your thoughts, Nick, um, in terms of Dinwiddie? Do you think that it's getting more and more, more and more likely that he is going to be traded the more and more you that you do hear these rumors?
1: Yeah, I think if the Nets, you know, wanted to keep him or locked on keeping him, you probably wouldn't hear as many rumors. And it also makes you think that Dinwiddie's likely going to opt out. I think that was brought up in the article as well. So, If that's the case, there's no point in really keeping him on the roster. You need to add someone to this team, and that could possibly give you some wing depth on the bench. You know, I'm not sure the exact value. Maybe they could get a late first-round pick. I think it would matter depending on the role player in which they're acquiring. But that contract number and around the league, I'm not sure there's a ton of matches, but Sean Marks, I'm sure, is looking.
2: Yeah, I don't know. There's a, a guy that we might have chatted about on some podcast and has been chatted about somewhat on <laughs> Nets Twitter. He did play in the game tonight. Is it Garren Orden? <laughs> or Garren? I don't know what the I name is. I don't think.
1: Do you think that Dinwiddie would be enough? I don't think he would probably be enough because I don't think the Nets have a first round pick to offer either.
2: Yeah, it's weird because if you had told me at the start of the season, I would have said, What are you talking about? Spencer did what he's way better, and then did what his injury changes that trajectory. And Aaron Gordon's form, you know, after tonight, it's just basically, All right, do you judge it based off what he's done in the other 40 games this season, or do you judge it based off what he did against the Brooklyn Nets? And, you know, he's a he's a really good player. I think he's going to have, there are plenty of other teams that will be coloring for his services you know, the Mavs, the Warriors, or a heap of these other teams that would, would love to have him on their team. But, you know, never doubt a guy like Sean Mark in terms of a, the acquiring some sort of player. But for me, top of that list would be an Aaron Gordon or a Thaddeus Young. I don't think that either of those guys are Brooklyn Nets bound, but I think it's really smaller moves that are more likely. And we could get some news in the coming days uh, because the trade deadline is rapidly approaching. But as long as we get some additions, Nick, and I, I think that it's fate accomplished that there will be bodies coming to Brooklyn soon. Who those bodies are, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, Thad Young, Aaron Gordon, those are the two guys that I would absolutely love to have, but I can't see it happening, uh, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I think Thaddeus Young, there's maybe a smaller chance there that there's a possibility of him coming here. You also probably think if Sean Marks wants to see Blake Griffin play, you know, at least maybe a game or two to at least get an idea of maybe where he's at, because that could make him be a little bit more active. And there are going to be buyout guys, probably Andre Drummond and some other names that maybe we didn't expect. So that's going to be something to kind of keep an eye on, too.
2: Absolutely. But yeah, we'll see how Nets world keeps going and how Sean Marks is uh, on the phone and shooting the text here and there. But we'll see how it all pans out, Nick. So far, it's not, it's not all too bad. 14 out of 16. Not as good as 14 out of 15 or 15 out of 16. But Still pretty darn good. We can't be too greedy, except for me when i mean potato chips.
1: (laughs) And honestly, if the Nets don't land anybody at the deadline, Kevin Durant will be coming back, and that's substantially better than anybody anybody's going to acquire this year, other than the Nets probably acquiring James Harden. But big thanks, everybody, for listening, and always a pleasure, Jack.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.